Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Brethren. And we're going to be doing... (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm Britain. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, Here at the podcast, it's New Year, New North, as we get in. Uh, We're going to have to ring out 2023. Yeah. (laughs) Goodbye, 2023. We'll celebrate you by talking about a movie from the the previous year. Yeah, I see nothing. Could wrong. we have? Could we have talked about any of the other movies that came out this year that we have not yet talked about? Uh, yeah. I didn't want to, so we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Said, Craven didn't come out, so that's no. the dang point. Those movies deserve twenty twenty four. Yes, <laughs> except for Oppenheimer, which we could not uh, sort of is not available to wrangle us. Wrangle into the I, wrangle into this uh, year. I can't wait for us to get into the situation where we're going to have to do back to back weeks of. Craven and Joker 2. Oh, why did you say it? <laughs> yeah, there's going to be like a Madam Web somewhere around there. That's fine. And... Do you guys... <laughs> I mean, it won't be. I mean, it won't be, but like, to talk about... You guys ever stop and think, we don't have to do any of this? <laughs> yeah. Like, every time I remember Joker 2 exists, I'm like, we can break the rules. We do it all the time. <laughs> we can just... We can just kind of forget about it. <laughs> if I don't if I close my eyes every time I walk past a movie theater marquee, it won't exist. Anyway. Oh boy. Uh, but that's not our problem yet. <laughs> no, it is not. Uh this week our problem is the Northman. <laughs> Directed by Robert Eggers from 2022. It has a 90% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Which, as I mentioned previously, matches the 90% scores of The Vavitch and The Northman. Pretty impressive. And a 64% audience score. You mean the 90 of The Vivitch and Lighthouse? Yes, The Lighthouse. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's occurring to me now, are the, are the only directors whose entire, filmography, entire filmographies we have sort of purposefully or accidentally stumbled into making a franchise, yeah. are they Christopher Nolan, Robert Eggers, yeah. and Zack Snyder? All right, the perfect a perfect I, triumvirate. That, that, that triumvirate. Yeah. See, see, it's at times like these I look over at Tyler's uh, uh, portion of, of of my my screen. I look over at him and I go, "None of this was an accident." <laughs> Tyler's been planning this for years. <laughs> I have my whiteboard over here that just has yeah. It's it's got Ron Howard. It's got uh, <laughs> yeah. T- Tyler was inspired by Kelly Reichardt's film, and he was like. Certain men starring Christopher Nolan. It, it, it has Kelly Reichardt. It's got M. Night Shyamalan. God, I would love if we did Kelly um, It's It's got Sean Logan. Levy. It's, it's got Werner Herzog. <laughs> Ryan Johnson. <laughs> Jay Lee Thompson. I'm, I'm building a team. One of the random directors of the Planet of the Apes sequels. <laughs> We're doing it all. Matt Reeves. It's going to be Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves. Well, yeah. Yeah. Actually, by that point, we probably will have all of his movies. Um, yeah. Not the worst choice. Probably made a VHS at some point. Um, yeah. Alex, what, well, you did a thing. I guess I'll do my thing. <laughs> it is your turn now, sir. Now, this synopsis, no now, this synopsis You is cannot a... delay your fate. <laughs> <laughs> did anyone else think about Brave a lot during this movie? Um, I didn't until I just said that. Yeah. And now I'm like, I should have thought about Brave. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, another movie that is... Uh, okay. This synopsis... <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. I might, I might like it. Don't more. worry, we'll uh, we'll change that. We'll change that at some point. We will. 
the synopsis for The Northman reads thus. Uh, Prince Amleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle who kidnaps the boy's mother. Two decades later, Amleth is now a Viking who raids Slavic villages. He soon meets a seeress who reminds him of his vow, save his mother, kill his uncle, avenge his father. So this movie has the Hamlet premise, but that's really it. It doesn't really go the other Hamlet ways, but it does the like, <laughs> my uncle killed my dad and he's married my mom and now I got revenge for it. But this, this doesn't is... have a play within a play, you know. No, this is a good starting point because, so it both this and Hamlet are based on, or are adapted from a, like, legend uh, that was set down in like the 1300s, like an old, oldish I don't know, Scandinavian myth um, that about, like, the character was called Amleth. But it doesn't seem like it really sticks to that for, like, towards the end, it seems like it mostly does its own thing. Like, there's stuff in there that, and that's almost more of, like, a playful sort of, you know, if you ever read, like, <clears throat> I don't know, is it is it Snurry Snorrelson? I don't think I'm making that up. Uh, who did <laughs> the, like, Eddas that we get all the Norse myths from. Um, that it's like odin is a trickster it's like oh it's all these kind of playful like thor's going around and he's he's tricking giants and giants are tricking him and it's not it's not like epic uh death metal battles yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's something more uh simple and like more of like a folk tale or something like that so uh, i don't know i think it's interesting how this movie kind of goes off of that um i don't know how i feel about the movie i should say that yeah i'm not i'm I'm undecided and i'm hoping i will decide as we talk about this yeah i I similarly alex and i were saying before the podcast i i don't dislike this movie at all but it doesn't i don't think i love it as much as i wanted to and maybe that's the problem maybe i went into it being like come on be my favorite make me love you and Mm -hmm. that's not a great way to go into a movie but I think it also, this movie, I think, came because uh, Skarsgård, Alexander Skarsgård, had been wanting to do a Viking movie for a while. And he and Eggers met and were like, oh, we should work together. And maybe Skarsgård was like, yeah, I've always wanted to do a Viking thing. And Eggers went, oh, maybe I can, maybe, that'd be kind of cool. Like, I don't know that Eggers necessarily had this, like, sitting around on his desk, like, and now I want to make my Viking movie. Um, I could be wrong, obviously. They could have both had, like, oh, I've been wanting to work in that sphere for a while because obviously this would be very close to this uh culture and history be very close to Skarsgård um and possibly to Eggers too yeah this movie to me is just an anomaly um we don't see this very often where uh basically a director who is known for making like very effective um low budget movies um is then given like ninety million dollars, and it, but but it's like it, it continue to make weird stuff. Sure. Yeah. And normally it's like, oh, you do a Star Wars now, or right, you right. do a Marvel now, or yeah. y- something like you do a Jurassic World now, you know, something like that. And this is just like, it's just such a different thing. And Robert Eggers is on record as saying that there was studio meddling and he did not have final cut of the movie so Hmm. when i criticize the movie i don't know how much of it is because of that um i don't know if there's release the eggers cut i don't know if there's like an alternate version of the movie that's like okay now i 
I it clicks. I think I have more concrete critiques of this movie to stand on versus like the Vavitch or the Lighthouse, particularly the Lighthouse. Um, and because of how straightforward it is, relatively speaking, I, I feel a bit more confident in my critiques. But I also have the caveat of I'm I'm not sure how much of that lays at Eggers's feet versus the studio because he's he's been on record saying like I don't want to make a movie of this size at least going you know in the near future I like that like I I'm assuming Nosferatu is relatively small <laughs> the original movie certainly is which obviously you know we'll see um yeah which I mean. <clears throat> I think having like complete creative control on smaller projects, I mean, that's commendable. I mean, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I like that. But also, like, watching the movie, even though I have my critiques of it, it's hard to tell that there's studio meddling. Yeah. Like, it still yeah. feels it, very much him. There, Yeah, yeah. there's – like, I feel like that's interesting just because it, it's not something where you look at it, like, and – can point out like oh they clearly didn't want like it doesn't seem like anything was off limits yeah <laughs> based on what happens in the movie like yeah it's, it's very interesting to me and I'm, it doesn't <clears throat> seem like the plot would have changed overall so i'm curious if that's like oh there's very specific things that he wanted to do a certain way that he wasn't able to do and that bothers him because he is a perfectionist auteur director or if that's like there is some big thing that like totally shifted and that's why he's unhappy with it. It it does not feel like a Dune. Right. Uh, David Lynch Dune situation. Right. I, I really respect that. I guess you'd call it self-awareness because it's, I, I imagine having not been in this position that it's very easy working in show business, actor, writer, director, whatever to go, Oh, it has to get bigger and bigger and bigger. As my career goes on, the movies I make have to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And for him to go, Oh, I really just kind of want to make, more con- like smaller for one of a phrase movies. I think that's really commendable um, to understand like what you're good at and what you want to do. Um, I also think that it, well, the thing that's interesting to me about this movie is how it is simultaneously because it is in, in some ways, I mean, the width of a bitch is probably the most grounded, I guess, but the fact that this movie is a would otherwise be a very, very familiar, almost boring revenge story. Like I remember at the beginning of the right. movie where Amleth sees uh, his father, Ethan Hawke, getting killed. I, I was thinking, not critically, but just thinking, how many times have I seen a scene like this? Yeah. Where the child, where the, the parent says, run, and the child runs, and then they get killed. And I was like, oh yeah, this is a really basic premise. Doesn't mean it's a bad premise, but a very, very familiar one. And so some of that, like, Eggersy. Now we're gonna have hallucinations and invocations, and literally yep. Odin saves him later, and literally a Valkyrie carries him to Valhalla. Like all of that, I think kind of helps make it more interesting. Like I remember when I recommended Children of Men, I said if Walfonso Coron didn't direct this, it would be a very bland, like February release sci-fi movie. And I feel like it, it could be very similar to this, where you would just get like, yep, is a revenge movie with Vikings. But Eggers, you know, adds a lot to it. But then I don't know what those things really illuminate so much as they as much as they just are other things to see in the movie. But also some of that weirdness stands out a little bit more because the rest of the movie. However, at the same time, this movie, we're talking about in the lighthouse, how much of it is literal and how much of it is just 
in, uh, madness overtaking Robert Pattinson. This movie straight up goes, oh yeah, Odin sends ravens to break his chains and he escapes. Yeah. <laughs> and then like it's all very like, no, yeah, at the end of it, it is Norse gods. <laughs> yeah. Kind of I mean, like the village. This word is like right. special. Yes. Yeah. Which I'm into, I, but. Well, it's it's interesting because with this premise, it, it feels like there's a couple of places where Eggers, in, in terms of that the self-awareness, like it feels like it's actually imprinted somewhat on moments in the movie. Like basically young Amleth has his kind of um, become a man ceremony with his dad and Willem Dafoe's character. And it's awesome. They... <laughs> That they're on drugs and they're basically just like giving him all these words of wisdom and like you must do this. Here's here's how to be a king and they're just like force and feeding him a bunch act, of information and acting like wolves and acting like wolves. Um, continuing the the Eggers seems to just like very just like basic um humor with like fart jokes and stuff. I think he also <laughs> likes making Willem Dafoe act like a dog. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. the second time, but. But there's a bit where they specifically go, if something happens to your dad, you must seek revenge on the people who kill him. Cut to the very next scene, he is getting killed. Like, it's, I I don't know, to me, that almost felt like, oh, you're doing, it's not a joke, but it feels like a very pointed, very fast setup and payoff of like, you know this story, we're getting it out of the way so we can move on. Yeah. Um, So, kind of that, I was like, okay, it does feel like there's something more here but it's not like it's not necessarily threaded throughout the movie in a way that i i'm you know picking up on um and the other bit is the twist with nicole kidman's character um yeah that was that to me might be the most effective scene in the film yeah i I, it's my favorite bit of acting in the movie definitely and the movie is well performed overall but i thought she was so good in that scene well, it's nice that they gave her a chance to act because every other scene she's just standing there and it's sure. like, oh, exposition. Okay. Well, I don't, yeah. And I, I, you know, I haven't watched everything Nicole Kidman's been, been in recently, but I don't know the last time I got to see her like really chew into something like that. Just go big and like yell and growl. Like she really lays into it in that scene. I think it's fantastic. It's also obviously a weird scene because she tries to seduce her son at the end of it. But then she starts saying stuff like, but if you kill the bad guy, then you'll be the king. Because the, the twist is that she has supposedly uh, masterminded this whole thing. That actually uh, Ethan Hawke was terrible and assaulted her. And that's how uh, Skarsgård Amleth came to be born. And so she's like, ah, but if, you know, so I, I tried to get his brother to kill him. And then I married him. And now I have children that I love. And like, I wanted a different life. But then she's like, ah, but if you kill your uncle, then you and I can be the... So then I was like, is she just saying all of this to save herself? Like, is it constant just grabs for power and survival for her? I don't know. Yeah, it is funny because, um, at least for Tyler and I, this is our second time seeing the movie. And I did pick up more on her performance at the beginning. There are a couple of things that hint at, oh, she doesn't, she's not she does not like the king very much. Like she keeps asking about, I'm going to mess up all the names, which is why I keep just going right to the actors. Is it Fionir? Fionir? Yeah, that's right. The the brother? Yeah. Um, She keeps asking, oh, where is he? Is something wrong with him? Like she's concerned about him for some reason. Um, And it's like, oh yeah, because she's into him. She doesn't want to be with the king. Okay, got it. And she wants to make sure Um, her plan goes. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of those nice things on a rewatch. It's like, okay, there's, it feels like, all right, they, they planned that out. <laughs> I think yeah. rewatching it too is interesting because it does help to know going in that it's like, yeah, overall the story is pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not going to blow your mind. Um, it's a movie that really makes me realize like, what is Robert Eggers actually good at? Um, which I think really comes across through the, just the overall authenticity, the like drive to recreate this world. Um, it's interesting because this movie has various, I don't know what language it's supposed to be in, but it has times where people are chanting things in some sort of Scandinavian language um, or maybe Icelandic. Uh, but the, the rest of the, we don't get kind of the fun, weird accent work that the other two movies have because this is just, it's like you have to translate it. If you're going to have yeah. it mostly be in English, the only other option would have been to literally do the whole script and maybe that was studio meddling maybe, maybe at one point he wanted to do the entire script in old english or whatever and you know like, I, no. I could i could see Skarsgård. he he's he's like bench pressing like 500 pounds and he, he's he's got like uh uh like Rosetta Stone he, he's, tapes. He's, he's got like duolingo or whatever yeah. and he's he's like <laughs> he's learning the script in yeah. you know yes. in, not That'd in english great. I would love and, to see that little, get... that little green owl be like, I will avenge you, mother. I will kill you, uncle. <laughs> I will save you, mother. I'll avenge you, father. And, and then like it has sometimes. And then you get like the, the producers walk in and they're like, yeah, sorry, it's going to be in English. And he's just like, what? And he just throws <laughs> the 500 pounds like it's nothing. And he's just like, do you know who I am? <laughs> I was in big little lies. I yeah. uh, apparently I, I think he won an Emmy for that. Yeah. I, I liked I also the I noticed the, the change back and forth from the language I, that kind of thing doesn't necessarily bother me as much but I certainly notice it more now since doing the podcast and talking about it but I'm sorry no 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 no. but I remember <laughs> when we talked about Prey that movie does a really neat thing where the opening has like some narration in what I believe is like that uh, uh, tribe's native language that then shifts into English as the way to tell the audience and you're hearing them in English, but they're speaking in their language moving forward. Um, and that movie was was uh, great in a lot of ways. And this one, I, I but at the same time, I, I think I would have preferred them just do it all in that language. However, if we're going to switch it up, I do like that they switch it up for the chance because those chants are so much more effective. When Anya Taylor-Joy, my other favorite bit of acting in the movie, when she is just like losing it at the end on the ship and just like cursing the skies and invoking all of these powers and yelling in that language it's so effective um yeah and i just like i guess i like when uh fair-haired actresses get to just chew into it in a robert eggers movie it and i'm not i'm not clear either if like the language is different if there's like a two different languages and uh-huh. one of them it's just like this is english we're just going to try represent it as right. english and then here's this ancient language that you know everyone's yeah knows several languages because there's lots of different cultures around here i don't know what yeah the, yeah the deal is but <clears throat> yeah i think it's it's very interesting just circling back to the fact that uh, there was studio meddling this movie is violent and disturbing and yeah. like it deals in a lot of very heavy subject matter um like amleth is involved in like the destruction of a, a town or a village and like children are burned alive in a hut like and yeah I, the movie doesn't really comment on that which 
in some ways I actually kind of respect in terms of like, no, this is just a brutal world that these characters inhabit. And they're all kind of, and they're all kind of just like, no, this is just the culture. Like it's, it's all about the like warrior mentality and stuff. Um, like the movie doesn't really like get super heavy handed with that. I think it's just like, no, the audience can interpret this. I think we, we, we don't have to handhold on that being messed up. Yeah. The the Vikings are very matter of fact. Yeah, about it, they're just like, all right, get in this hut, close the door. I remember Scorsese. All right, what what's for dinner? <laughs> like, I remember Scorsese telling a story about when he screened Wolf of Wall Street at the studio. It was very divided. Like half people loved it, half people hated it, and people who hated it. He said he heard one of the guys who hated it was like, you know, it's this movie's not judging this behavior, and apparently people who liked it was like, you need Martin Scorsese to tell you that was bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> you really need him to. T- um, but I, I, I do think it's one of those things where you, one, one of the things about getting older and watching movies is that you learn, oh, I don't have to like the protagonist in the movie. Sometimes it is observational of that protagonist. Yeah. What gets challenging is not everybody has that understanding and it's very easy. So then you get people who are like, Travis Bickle's awesome. And like, oh yeah, a Joker is cool. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not what those movies are saying. Um, right. American Psycho. The the American right. Psycho is not a hero. I just yeah, it's I, a literal. I, yeah. Just when you start to think, oh, this Patrick Bateman guy's a cool guy. Remember the Maybe name he, of the movie <laughs> and the whole thing about him. He's like, I'm so smart, but I all the bands I love are like very popular mainstream bands. Anyway, right. Um, <laughs> I I think I think this movie does do a nice job with that. It's I I can see how audiences would come out of it. I, I obviously see how people wouldn't like The Lighthouse, but I also think a lot of people could go, well, I just don't get it. I think it's just not for me. That's just weird. But I could see with The Northman feeling like, well, and sometimes you're doing this really matter-of-fact story that I want to see, and then you just get weird. So why does it have, Why did you have to do it weird? If the whole thing is to be weird, that's one thing. But when certain scenes are, I could see that throwing people off more rather than being able to say, well, this is just in, in for me. Didn't. I didn't have that reaction, but I know y'all said you had some some people displeased in the showing you went to. <laughs> yeah, it was not a movie that I think played particularly well to general audiences. Yeah, which but I think it bombed. I yeah, I, I respect yeah. the studio being willing to put money into this Absolutely. project. I don't I don't know what they expected. <laughs> Maybe I mean the, I don't know, like Blade Runner twenty forty nine or whatever wasn't that uh like a a big uh big budget movie that kind of bombed yeah yeah that that like, has, i, I that think has, that sometimes uh, lived on in like audience like word of mouth has really kept that thing going right exactly and i think sometimes studios are like we're gonna put money into this thing so that you yeah. can you know compete in award season we're hoping that it's right. gonna be something that's that's gonna show up and people are gonna be like oh wow that was a really interesting movie even if it wasn't a thing that we're expecting to be this big right four quadrant release yeah. whatever they'd call it like it's, it's classic. Uh, yeah, I think sometimes studios do that. It seems like this was kind of a miss in that regard, but I'm I'm glad it exists. Yeah, because uh, it's a cool, weird movie. Um, I really think it is. It does make you realize like you're not going to get a lot out of this unless you can really just sit there and appreciate like this is how the scene is constructed. This is you know here's that performance. Here's Alexander Skarsgård looking like a maniac with his big old muscles and and his like, <laughs> like wolf shroud berserker thing it's great yes, yes. and they're just screaming at a fire it's awesome I, it's kind of incredible yeah the the way it's kind of recreated 
like how you would actually physically do that be a viking and go into those situations just by getting yeah. your adrenaline up by screaming and that comes up throughout the movie several times where yeah it's just like the way that he is like i'm gonna go do this is right. just being like ah yeah um, <laughs> and it's very good it's it's very cool and that's again those details that are very specific and that eggers has clearly spent a lot of time trying to kind of research and understand how to recreate this world um, like there's an, there's no other movie that I'm aware of, and I I doubt that there is another movie that would this faithfully bring to life like the idea of I don't know Viking culture like the Scandinavian myths like yeah doing all that in a way that is so period picture style sure. is is like the the reward of watching this movie um, even if there are that doesn't necessarily mean I love it but there, right <laughs> there no, I definitely are a lot of very cool that, things that yeah. you get out of it yeah which almost makes me wish i liked other parts of it more because i'm like sure. oh i really like like the setting of this i like the sort of world you've given yourself to play in I, uh, the story's fine and other doesn't um, the action sequences are filmed pretty nicely because there aren't action sequences in his previous movies but there's you know there's a lot of long takes there's a nice bit where a guard throws a a lance at the vikings and i think it's scars guard catches mm-hmm. it and throws it back in Hits them, you know, parries it. Yeah, we really get into, like, very kind of cinematic territory that we yeah. haven't really gotten yeah. to with, with Eggers' other movies. And I this movie has a lot of long takes. Yeah. Um, so much so that I think it's kind of a problem. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, the, the long takes are no longer, like, interesting or, like... Sure. They they don't they don't really like surprise me because like it, it felt like almost every sequence was a long take of some sort, um, and of course they are visually impressive and just on a technical yeah. level, um, yeah. Um, I did I think... think that the fight scenes were a little not over choreographed, but it felt like they were too clean. Sure. It felt like the movements were slow because everyone was trying to hit their marks and like oh, yeah. I don't, there was something off about them. I can't quite put my finger on it. I, I talk a lot on this show about how much I love a long take, and I do, but I, I don't want to. I I don't need every movie to be a long take, and I don't want long takes to become just gimmicks. You know, I, sure. I, I I like it when they're you know I like a I like Tar yelling at the kids in that classroom, uh, being being awful. And I like um, that's it. Uh, <laughs> there are there are definitely <laughs> and long takes. gravity and gravity. Um, there there are long takes I like, but it almost kind of works better when there's only a few, like one or two, in a movie where it's like we're not. This scene kind of is helped by this, but that doesn't have to be the entire movie because I well, start I to notice it after a while in this. The the example I think of Britain, and this is just because you talked about it on that episode, was No Time to Die. Oh yeah, because because you because you I, I think the way you framed it was. Once we got into a long take, it took a second before you realized, oh, we're in a long take. Yeah. This is awesome. And there's that. like two or three of those kind of uh, sprinkled throughout that movie as opposed to literally every scene is set yeah. up like a long take. Mid- Midsommar has a few like that. And those are also yeah. takes that like in Midsommar and Tar specifically, it's we're just framed it and it takes a while for the camera to move. And the camera doesn't move a lot. It just kind of tilts. And then you've like completely recomposed an image in a new way which is really impressive and and, uh yeah yeah for me i feel like this one i'm i'm fine with it in this because it kind of just feels like part of the style of the movie it's just like this is evoking i don't know the the way that 
I think it's a way for Eggers to get into, and this is going to get into one of the other things that I think I like about the movie and I realize is probably one of Eggers' strengths. I think that having the long takes just helps you be more immersed in it. And it doesn't, there's never really a point where it's like, this is the show stopping long take. This right, is the one that's right. like going to you know, blow your mind. It's just like, no, this is kind of how the camera treats its sure. material in the movie. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like it's, to me, it was effective at establishing kind of how the movie plays out. I think it is maybe a little bit, Edgar is just experimenting. Sure. Kind of like he did with the lighthouse of like, all right, let's let's try a movie with a bunch of long takes and just yeah. like get used to mo- making a movie like that. I don't think that there's any long takes in this movie that are as impressive as a lot of the other things. I mean, Birdman. Did we mention Birdman? Yeah, yeah. Um, like the, I, I don't think that there's there's much in here that's like, oh wow, this is really like. It, it feels like it's more like this is an interesting way to sh- to make sure the material gets into my eyes. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. It's not as much like here's like a, a really cool you know, technical thing that we did. That's, that's super, uh, interesting. It's yeah. It's like, yeah, I think it's long takes. I think it's interesting. The, the permanence of movies, I think makes audiences, some audiences less accepting of experimentation because they're like, well, I don't think they literally think this, but it's like, we're not going to get to make this movie again. So why did you experiment? Like you just wasted your t- you didn't experiment with that at your house and then bring it into the movie. You just made a movie out, out of as an experiment. But I think that can be kind of fun to watch those things and go, oh, this is a director testing things out. And and sometimes you might see that show up later in their work. And you go, oh, I see, like, the first time a director and a composer work together. And you realize, like, oh, they're kind of figuring out each other's rhythms. And then it's, you know, their third collaboration that's, like, the mind-blowing one. Because by that time, they've gotten there. And so... For all we know, Eggers may have another action movie he wants to do later, or action scenes he wants to do in a movie later that he's like, oh, yeah, well, when I worked on The Northman, I learned these things. Or maybe it's not even going to be that one-to-one. And even if this movie is, I don't want to say a dud, but less impactful for me than Lighthouse or, or The Vitch, he might go like, oh, but I learned something when I made The Northman, and I can incorporate that. How, how we choreographed the fight scenes. I know how to build on that in this new thing. And that can be really rewarding. Because it, it's very... I think we talked about this with the Vitch. This is his third movie. Like, that's nuts. <laughs> like, yeah. we're talking about this as though he's been making movies for, you know, 20 years. Um, and he's made three features. He's, he's currently working on his fourth feature. And so, like, it's still very, very impressive um, that he pulled this off. But. Yeah. Um... If I'm to boil it down to to just like what I think doesn't work about the movie, I don't really think our protagonist is very interesting. Of course, there's there's things about him that are kind of likable or admirable. At least there's definitely things to not like about him. But like for me, it's for me, it's he's not interesting. He's very bland. There's not a whole lot to him. And then I think the bad guy is bland and there's not a whole lot to him. And I don't want to just blame the the actor. Um, oh, no. I, listen, but... I I watched a few episodes of a TV show on Apple uh, called Bad Sisters, where Clace, maybe how you say his name, Bang, who plays Fjolmir, is the villain on Bad Sisters. And he is the most despicable character in all <laughs> of fiction and literature. He is, <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a very, very black comedy, but it is like, that is nuts. He is so dislikable in that. So watching this, I was like, 
oh, I know I can hate you. <laughs> I know you can play a villain. So I think, that, but that kind of plays into the Nicole Kidman story, right? Of like, maybe Fjolmir's not the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, as much it gets as there down, are and villains. Yeah. But when it gets down to the final conflict sure. being between the two of them, I'm like, I don't, it looks cool. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, And I almost wish that he and Ethan Hawke switched parts because I feel like Ethan Hawke, it yeah, would be more fun if he was in more of the movie. And I don't want to just say, give the bigger star the bigger role. I'm yeah. not saying that. I just, I, I don't know. I, I needed a more charismatic villain at the end of the day. Um, I, I, I needed something. Maybe I just needed Michael Shannon yelling things for, sure. for two hours. Maybe that's that, that's the nothing, normal fix for a bad guy, right? Yeah, nothing can cannot be improved without Michael, or with more Michael Shannon. I will vike him, and I will... <laughs> I I kind of like the fact that Fjolmir is just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, this kind of this kind of plays into my my thesis about this movie, which is that it is just the most like guys being dudes movie sure. uh that has ever been made. Um secretly You're not under wrong. All the, under all the Viking stuff. Like so much like the fact that uh everyone just sort of accepts this is like how revenge operates and that it's it's so meaningless in yeah. in the way that the it's like oh well i uh I, i'm gonna be killed so you have to revenge me and it's like oh i gotta go kill all this guy's family now we're, yeah. we're good he maybe he'll kill my kids eventually like it's it's so i feel like it, it really lays bare that there is no like like there's no point at which we're like, oh yeah, uh, Alexander Skarsgård's character, he really, he really has the right of this situation. Sure. <laughs> like he goes in and he's he's murdering uh, all of Filmier's dudes and like creating a weird uh, diagram out of yeah. body parts yeah. and like just like massacring people in Filmier is just like, well, <laughs> this is the situation. <laughs> I'm dealing with well, this now. This is part of this is this is how it works. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I I think you're right. I, I think it is a he's just a guy. They they get more out of his son, and maybe his yeah. the other guy who's maybe also his son who's just like yeah. the. Uh, I think Thorier. Thorier is, is yeah the adult. Gunnar the is the older kid. one. And Gunnar is their actual son because yeah. Thorier was the baby in the first yes, yes. sequence. Um, they, but yeah, I, they I, play more I as think, villains. Yeah, yeah, I think it does a good and like again, his his older son is just like or his adopted, I guess, older son is just like he killed my dudes. What what uh, what's up with that? Yeah. Like what? Come on, yeah, <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> like it's so it it. it I think that legitimately there is a real angle that Eggers is able to find in stuff that's so off kilter and like, again, very authentic to the time is this, that I think you can see in all three of these movies that is it, the human element that is like, these are characters that are just, they act like humans. They just generally like they, they've got all these weird external factors that are motivating them, but the way they actually like respond to things and make choices. I mean, the, the way this movie handles fate, I think is really interesting because even though there is a lot of stuff that's like, oh, you have to um, go get the magic sword from the, the giant zombie and the, the sunken ship and like all this crazy stuff that is like, I don't think it ever really goes completely off the rails in terms of magic, but there's like a lot of hallucinations yeah. and things and like all, all sorts of creepy stuff that gets into Norse myth. 
um it the the entire time like alexander skarsgård's character is still making those choices amleth is he he's still like like at the end i love i there are a couple moments that almost made me laugh watching it this time because and it's it's all to do with him and anya taylor joy um because it's the most like i don't know those are the rules i just yeah. got i gotta follow the rules what are you talking about because like the point where she's like are you gonna are you gonna kill fjolnir tonight you got the sword you're gonna do it and he's like well if the fates let if the fates put me on a burning lake i'm gonna go for kill fjolnir. And then, like, at the end of the movie the same thing when he jumps off the boat it's like oh yeah he, he he's gonna kill my kids i gotta go i gotta I, I'm, I'm excited about this like i'm ready i got that's just it's what the fates say i gotta go fight him sorry Bye. good luck <laughs> like, yeah it's very good. i i think the way that all the characters act feels very simple and human and works in a way that i think makes the other or i think i also see in the other two movies of like i think eggers kind of gift is creating this very authentic world that is something that's totally alien to us because it's from so long ago or from like a totally different experience than most people us or anyone listening probably has had and then he still makes that feel very much like these are just people yeah living in this thing that's true um with all this crazy stuff going on around them so i that is really interesting to me and that is kind of my big takeaway from this rewatch of it is like okay that that's the thing i can hang my hat on and say that's that's what i do like about this movie is is that i think it it brings to life uh what something how something like this would have played out uh not withstanding the sure north north mythology stuff I, yeah i think that's a really good point i, I talking of fate i i did also enjoy bjork <laughs> in this as the seeress mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. terrifying um and pretty scary in the movie and she's got this like really scary like headdress with these like beads that hang down but they are like right in place of her eyes so you don't know if and I, I think she probably doesn't, the character doesn't have eyes, but she's got these things in front of him. And it's kind of funny because she, I guess, lives in this burned out, in this village that they've ransacked. And so during the like victory party, Skarsgård just gets bored and goes and leaves and he's wandering around. And she's just still fully kitted out in her Cirrus gear, just like hanging out in a burned house. And she's like, ah, <laughs> let me tell you your fate. It's awesome. And I wanted to ask Tyler, as the resident uh, from software fan, how did you like the the Dark Souls boss boss fight in this, um, where Alexander Skarsgård has to fight the big zombie? Um, when they and oh my gosh, it's like in Sucker Punch when she fights the samurai with a Gatling gun and they're playing a Bjork song. <laughs> it's all connected. Do, do you think Robert Eggers is is a Snyder fan? Bobby, come on! I think he's Bobby. I come on the podcast. Snyder films. Yes, come on the <laughs> podcast, please. <laughs> yes, um, okay. we'll talk about whatever uh, you want. But Tyler, what did you, what did you think of? Yeah. How, how how did it evoke for you the experience of it playing your favorite games? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of good. I think he does some rolling. He does do some uh, rolling. He 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 does some blocking. <laughs> he's, he's you know evading, maneuvering around. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's there's like a. I mean, it's like a giant skeleton man, uh, and he's doing it to get some sweet loot. Yeah. So, I mean, all things considered, I think I think you're pretty spot on. And also, Robert Eggers could do a very good uh, adaptation. Robert Eggers, do I don't think so. I'm going to put a pin in this because I think we could. I think springboarding off of this discussion, I do want to talk about uh, 
all the different things that I would like to see Robert Eggers do. Um, because I just kind of want to know, like, what does that look like? Like, yeah. it's almost experiments. I'm just like, what if I if you did this? Tell me more. If like, I what, say what does that look like? Berenstain Bears Scrabble, <laughs> what does that mean to you, Robert Eggers? <laughs> and he's like, well, it's prohibition times. <laughs> no, that's that'd be a little, that'd be a little too contemporary. Um, no, because the lighthouse is like, like late 18s. Is that late 1800s? Okay. It's the French what Revolution. It's Pear Bear and Mare Bear. <laughs> and Flail Bear and So Bear. Anyway. Um, we'll get there. Yeah. I I uh, also liked that fight. I do, Alex, you were talking about how, how clean some of the fighting is. I think in terms of uh, 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 expression it is, execution it is, but the actual fighting is... None of it is too, like, beautiful. He's, like, smashing into people and, like, wrestling them down. And that there's that smooth thing I mentioned where they catch the spear and throw it back. But there's a lot of just, like, I don't know. I'm just going to hit you here, and then we're going to kill you, and then we'll move on. Yeah. Which I, which I kind of liked. Um, and, Alex, I want to ask you, as a resident Star Wars fan, how did you think of the Jedi fight at the end of it? uh pretty good yeah they fight on volcatron or whatever that planet is i i will say i I, in in spite of kind of my issues with how some of the stuff is not like i said it's not necessarily the choreography i think it's just the execution of the choreography right it feels like to me it comes off as they didn't have enough takes to get the the choreography like completely down so some Mm. of it just feels kind of off for me i think that's kind of where my feelings are i do like how Basically, all the action scenes are short and brutal. Yeah. Like, that final fight, mm-hmm. it feels like it lasts 30 seconds, and then they're both dead. <laughs> like, in terms of, like, circling back to, even though it's a fantastical world, um, it's still fairly realistic um, for what it is. Uh, I like that. Um, and I think that circles back into the... The, the the violence is is all com- you know it's completely pointless and it's just like it's cor- short short right. brutal and you're dead <laughs> like yeah i don't know i like that yeah but yeah this movie uh has a lot of child murder it um, does which do you- uh the the that coward movie the flash could never do <laughs> <laughs> can only hint at something that we know is not gonna happen they'll put see, a baby in a microwave but they won't turn the microwave on right this see, movie is like see i was gonna say let's 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 try and get robert eggers Zack snyder and george lucas in a room together to do a podcast <laughs> oh, but now andy muschietti <laughs> now we're talking uh, <laughs> we'll have a panel it's all gonna be about the the spread all gonna be about the food they brought they're not gonna talk about movies <laughs> at all yeah. well, i really think uh Really skipped on the fruit roll-ups. They're all gone. You ate them, George. You ate <laughs> all of them. Twenty. Yeah, well, it's the kind you could you could punch them out and get tattoos. Now look, I've got a rocket ship on my arm. That's like in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. I put rocket ships in Rebel Moon. I don't know what a rocket ship is. I make it the Flash. <laughs> <laughs> Those no, you you four. brought your Louis Leterrier impression. <laughs> no, that would be I make the Flash. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, oh. I, I feel child like, murder. We got. Let's get child back to the focus. Murder. Real quick, 
real quick, I feel like Robert Eggers would just sit there being calm and reserved and he'd go, this is neat. <laughs> Tyler, continue. He'd be, he'd be munching on, I don't know. He's like, Robert I'm a fruit by the foot, man. Sure. <laughs> what is the difference between fruit roll-up and fruit by the foot? Hey, hey, don't, let's not get political. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think. Don't, we, don't vote here. Don't vote we're here. starting. We're starting to ask dangerous questions. We might we we might get put on some lists if we start <laughs> talking about that. Answers. That's the next. Why are the fries weird? Video is what is the difference between? <laughs> uh, I, I it is it, again going back to the the way that these movies are just like yep this is how it was. Yeah. Uh, I, I I I I respect that it. I respect both that the movie is not shying away from that being an aspect of like, like I think that there's a lot of movies that would, there's probably something out there that would, that glorifies, you know, oh Vikings are cool. That right. I don't I don't know if I don't know if they kill children on the show with Vikings. Uh, yeah. Huh. Okay. Okay. One in a particularly upsetting scene. Continue. Well, well fair. If, if I can offer, it's not it's not Vikings in particular, but three hundred. Yeah, like it, it glorifies the Spartans, and it's like, yeah, they talk about how they like murder the weak kids, yeah, or they leave them out to die, and yeah. like all this stuff. That's and true. it's like, I don't, I don't but particularly that, like the Spartans. If you just put all the facts on the table, yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's what it is like. Because Three Hundred is a movie, and we, I think we talk about this a little bit when we talk about Three Hundred. Um, it is a movie that does kind of play into people thinking like oh the beginning of, of western civilization right how glorious and it's like i think there's an element of that to vikings and the idea of vikings and that sort of thing as well um that you could run with that and make it a very like no this is kind of cool isn't it where this makes it be like it's it's interesting it's it's you know intimidating they're they're obviously like you can see why it was such a scary thing to encounter in those days but they're 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 horrible. Yeah, <laughs> like they're awful yeah. because yeah. like we have come a long way in terms of the way that morals are imposed upon the world yeah. uh, in, in the time since. And I don't know. It, it's interesting. Uh, I think that it does that. And there's never it's never like graphic or awful. There's a moment. Um, what, something that I'm I'm really stuck on. And we'll we can maybe springboard off of this because I want to have a whole conversation about the ball that literally, I think the name, the Norwegian name of this game that they play translates to ball game. Again, just guys so being good. dudes. Um, it's like <laughs> not, not, not Yeah. Who knows? The Northmen um, in parentheses or how I learned to stop caring and take me out to the ball game. Sure. <laughs> basically. Yeah. It's basically the first baseball game. It's um, my favorite Gene Kelly movie. Take me out to the Nockelveer. <laughs> uh but it is like they they go to this thing and they bring uh omleth because they need big slaves to fight in this thing for them um and uh half thor bjornson the mountain is there um on the opposing team and they they get they go back and forth and it ends up until they're both like one-on-one against each other and uh gunnar the the young kid goes running out to grab the ball when they both get into a brawl like off to the side because he's like you guys are terrible i need to go score this myself and he gets knocked down by uh the mountain uh who i'm just gonna call the mountain i don't think they gave him a name (laughs) um, in in the movie um and then uh the mountain's about to 
basically hit the ball through his head, yeah. <laughs> knock off his head because <laughs> the ball lands beside the child's head and is about to just swing his bat and go for it. Um, because it's, it's like, oh, I got to got play where it stands. I don't know. Um, and, and, he, he even looked over and said, you have to play the ball as it lies. If I touch it, I'm, if I touch it, I'm under par. Rules. I don't. Yeah. If I touch yeah. it, I go over par. I can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Omelith stops him from, saves Gunnar in that snare that like earns him a lot of favor in the King's eyes and everything. And then, or I guess Fjolnir is no longer a king, but. Yeah, earns him a lot of favor with Fjolnir. And then that goes on later to kind of be reversed because he does kill Gunnar when he's basically doing his final raid on Fjolnir's place and he's killing Fjolnir's family and um, Gunnar attacks him, like jumps on the back and starts on his back and starts stabbing him and then he throws him off and we just see him swing his sword and that's kind of it. Um, we, don't, we don't really see the aftermath or uh, I guess uh, Fjolnir takes his body out, but like it it's it's not like focused on super heavily so i i don't know that was an interesting thing because i'm i'm sure that's something that people watching the movie not really knowing what they're getting into are like this is awful like what's going on like i don't like this um but i think again it goes back to that like we're not going to sugarcoat right history we're not going to sugarcoat what this looked like and we're going to present it in a way that's going to make you feel like yeah that was bad yeah (laughs) That Yeah. that does not make me feel good to watch um so I don't know, that's that's really interesting. I I like ultimately it goes back to the fact that I like that this movie does not really present you with like here is the protagonist that you like. Yeah. <laughs> Here's people trying to do things. Yeah. This is not the hero's journey. It is the protagonist's yes. story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I also liked that scene. I could never really figure out the game. It's it's a cro- it's it's like lacrosse and soccer and hockey. It's like a bunch of different things. And I'm fine with it, but it is, it is like the closest I think the movie has to a fun scene, mm-hmm. um, which I liked. Uh, yes. Fun, fun, fun scene at the end of which Omelith bashes uh, right after Bjornsson's face in yeah. with his head. It's, <laughs> Very... it's, it's, um, <laughs> again, the closest the movie comes to fun. It's, like, it's so. revenge for, uh, Oberyn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he watched yes. the show. I, I really enjoy Willem Dafoe in this. He's not in it very much. He's like the court jester slash puberty mentor. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he's just like the mystic. Yeah. And I mean, he's, he's Ethan Hawke's drug dealer. Let's, I wanted, let's, yeah. be, let's be real. We get one little bit of him making like, ha, the queen says this. I think she meet like being a court jester. And I wanted so much more of that. I was like, Which- this is great. <laughs> I, I believe his joke is about, oh, she's so concerned yeah. for the king's brother, she right. must want him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's such a good performance. Like, everyone knows Willem Dafoe's great, but he's, like, so committed to this. And one of the things that makes him such a great actor is that he he he's always, like, even when he's playing something big and fun and silly, he's always committing, like, real acting technique to it. He's like, well, no, there's sincerity, and this is a person and a character and let's really do it i'm not saying every character is you know literally hamlet but like we we th- this can be like a silly thing or i'm the green goblin or whatever but i'm gonna make it feel authentic and I, he's such a wonderful actor and I, I i just really enjoyed seeing him in this uh yeah he's great 
I, I just imagine him shooting this and No Way Home like back to back, and he's he's starting to prep. He's starting to prep for for Green Goblin again, and he's like reading the script like in between takes uh, for the Northman, and he's going, "I'm something of a scientist myself. I'm something of a scientist myself." <laughs> oh, hey, I remember that line. I said that like twenty years ago. And he goes to No Way Home, and he's like, "Do I take it out in this? I took it out in that movie." <laughs> Do I take it out in this one? Um, <laughs> I I also enjoyed seeing Ralph Innocent back again. He's got a new haircut um, as he's a boat captain, and that was fun. A little bit. It was, it was good to see him again. Apparently, Kate Dickey's in the background. That's neat. She, you hear her voice a couple of times. I don't know if she's ever actually in focus. Yeah. I think she, uh, maybe not in focus. Yeah. That's a good time. I, I like I like when act when directors and actors work together more than once. I, I again I mentioned I think Anya Taylor Joy is great because she's great. Um, looking forward to Furiosa, you know. Uh, and I liked Ethan yeah. Hawke because Ethan Hawke is cool and you know, like him. Yeah, it is interesting how I I I feel like. I don't like like you said. I don't think any of the performances are bad. It's yeah. just I think it's one of those situations where unless they're going crazy, I'm not that interested. Like yeah. with Anya Taylor Joy, I don't think Olga's a particularly interesting character. But then she has that big monologue at the end where she she puts the air in the sails, yeah, or the wind in the sails. So good. Um, and then Nicole Kidman's whole whole scene. Um, like I feel like when when actors in in this movie are like given the chance to go crazy then i'm like okay i'm in it i'm i'm here i'm here let's let's do this yeah and then the rest of it's just kind of dour and bland and like it's it's the world building's interesting and like all the cultural elements of course but like yeah i just it it doesn't have the story to like hang everything on i think i think skarsgård similarly is i I like watching him like howl and roar and thump his chest like i'm an animal now and he's he's an actor. I really haven't seen him in that much. Like I said, I think he won an Emmy for Big Little Lies. Like he's oh, good I, in Succession. Oh, that's right. I haven't gotten to him. Um, I remember he did a movie called uh, Hold the Dark by Jeremy Saulnier with the great Jeffrey Wright, and uh, he's pretty good in that. Uh, uh, Skarsgård. Um, I'm totally on the train of Stellan Skarsgård these days. He's great and or totally turn me around. But in in a lot of ways, I think that Skarsgård is playing a really good video game character in this. Like. I feel like if this yeah. were, if this were Ghost of Tsushima, but Viking style, I'm like I could see Amleth being that that person, like an open world Norse you could, game. You could see Alexander Skarsgård winning Best Actor at the Game Awards. Sure, you know, yeah, um, for the motion capture. And I didn't have to be like a vampire. Do y'all remember that? And this isn't this is I'm not critiquing him because this isn't fair. Do y'all remember him being in Godzilla versus Kong? Because he was in that. I think oh, he yeah. was the. I think he's, he was the human protagonist. He's he's. I don't think he's the human protagonist, but he's like an army man. Yeah, him and Rebecca guy. Hall, I think, are yeah part of that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to look him up because I yeah I remember, I do remember that now. Thinking. Eventually, I'll watch that Tarzan movie and be like, I liked oh, it. You've already seen it. You don't know it, but you have. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I he, but I think he's. It's interesting how the Scars Guards are sort of divided, where, like, Bill is getting all the, like, touted, you know, weird uh, uh, acting, quote-unquote, roles. 
Stellan's been like the dependable character actor for a long time, and Alexander is like the hot leading action guy, and he was on True Blood. Um, and then Gustav is weird, <laughs> um, doing his own thing. Is there not one other, that, or maybe I'm just... I know there's Gustav... Oh! I can't remember. There's several. There, there's are, several. there are multiple. They're, they're around. Yeah. Um, Was it... There's always one more. <laughs> you always think you found all the Scars guards, well, but they keep moving around. Well, well, uh, and then I get confused because there's an actor. Is it Bill Sarsgaard? Uh, oh, uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Peter Sarsgaard. There we go. Marvelous actor. Totally different thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mary, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, uh, he was, uh, what's his face in The Batman? Yeah, he was the, the DA. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the bad guy in Green Lantern. Which I, which is where my brain goes whenever he Marvelous comes up. Performer. Hey, dope, dope sick. Dope sick. He's dope sick. Podcast. Right? Yeah, he's really good in dope sick. Yeah, great in that. Anyway, dope sick's good. We should just talk about dope sick. Neither of you caught my comment there. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. What did you say, that. Tyler? Uh, I'm gonna make sure that it's very loud on the podcast, and you'll just have to listen to it. Uh, I said, I said, why, why? How, how have we not done Green Lantern yet? Um, Four <laughs> hundreds coming up. Look. <laughs> Oh, look, we've 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 got some ideas cooking. We've got we've got some crazy ideas. Big things coming up in, in, in the work. Big things. <laughs> and, and and as 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 a man once said in a in a not great Ridley Scott movie, big things have small beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Gladiator, Prometheus. Yeah, <laughs> literally okay. Prometheus. Gladiator. <laughs> I'm start, start naming him until Gladiator Two. Uh, Last duel. Hey, oh no, House of Gucci. House of Gucci. <laughs> Napoleon. Matchstick men. I I I, <laughs> I really enjoyed. I, I I don't know if actually yeah okay. This is a, a theme in Eggers' movies. I look forward to seeing how it's uh, employed in Nosferatu. This is his uh, people sitting down and eating uh, that Nolan does. Mm-hmm. Each one has a, a uh, possibly real, possibly not um, uh, magical or, or mythical female uh, character who is briefly on screen and terrifying. The Vavitch and the Vavitch, the mermaid in uh lighthouse and the valkyrie in this who i'm pretty sure has braces and she um Mm -hmm. does like this cool like battle yell as she's like riding him up to valhalla which they call valhalla which is great and i was like good this do this (laughs) i want to see i love this i love that you always have a scary lady in your movies this is awesome (laughs) i think that that is part of there is a i want to say she a brief clip of her is in the trailers. Uh, yes. Okay. I think I remember watching the, the trailers and being like, ooh, yeah. what's going on? Like, this is kind of weird. And that's kind of the weirdest the movie gets. Mm-hmm. And it could potentially be a hallucination or like a, right. a death yeah, vision. But at this, Although... Yeah, Odin saves him. <laughs> I, he does He does uh, get magicked away somehow to a hot spring. So Yeah, well, I know that Anya Taylor-Joy saves him there, but I think... Because they open the door and there's well, ravens in the barn. Yeah, yeah. The, there's ravens in the barn, and then we don't. We see supposedly he is riding across. Yeah. The I believe he's riding with that same Valkyrie lady. I could be wrong. Also, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, because I, uh, I I had a connection with the lighthouse because they talk about how like the birds are you know spirits yeah. of dead uh, sailors. Isn't aren't the ravens supposed to be like the spirit of his father? 
Yeah, like his father is. I think that's mentioned uh, at some point in dialogue. It, it's sort of a con because like Odin always in myth is associated with ravens, and his father was king, king, king raven, king, uh, raven boy. king, war raven, Ma- man, raven, <laughs> <laughs> raven from Teen Man's Titans, raven, cur raven. Um, Don't, and <laughs> would this have been better if uh, Ethan Hawke was just uh, it was raven from teen titans go superimposed on ethan hawk's character <laughs> oh you're gonna kill probably me probably not actually <laughs> <laughs> i hate my uncles yo etc oh man but yeah i, I also because there, there were a few points where i wondered if on taylor joy was supposed to be a valkyrie um mm. but then I guess not, but she is no because her. We find out that she's pregnant with twins by Amleth, and that one of those is going to be that warrior maiden that he was told by the seeress he would be his fate would be intertwined with. Um, so there you go, and that's the Northman explained. <laughs> uh. That's right. Yeah, I, I think it's. I, I will say I probably the one sequence that we're not mentioning that I'd, I'd want to talk a little bit more about is the. The, the movie's pacing is a little weird. Uh, there is. It's it's a movie that almost is paced in a way that you would think it's longer. It's like two hours and seventeen minutes, yeah, something like that. Other two and a half. Um, yeah. And kind of the way it plays and the fact that it is trying to be very immersive, I think. It, it almost feels like it would be this big, extravagant, you know, hi- historical Lawrence of Arabia, kind of like that, you know, that sort of idea of like, oh, let's really like luxuriate in this for a while. Um, which 217 is not short necessarily, sure. but it, it feels like it would be longer um, because there's not a ton of driving momentum until we kind of get back to where Fjolnir and Amleth are reunited and there was probably 30 minutes to have 45 minutes until we get back to that point, maybe more. Like it kind of goes through the phases of like, all right, well now he's a Viking and now he's figuring out how to get back to Iceland and we have to go through all this, all these steps. Um, but once he has the sword and he starts plotting to murder and torment and make everyone miserable until he finally just kills Fjolnir, that I, that sequence I really like. I really like, the initial thing he creates this massive bodies pinned to a hut uh pretty horrifying and um the resident mystic or seer is like we're dealing with a spirit an evil spirit um and i think somebody says could this be the christian's work they worship yeah uh, a corpse nailed to to wood or something right. like that and i was like that's all right fair fair uh <laughs> historical barb i guess um the but that's again the the kind of thing that i think comes across well and like i don't know a lot of a lot of norse myths uh were eventually kind of superseded or intertwined with christianity and christianity was kind of imposed and, and mingled with that um when people brought christianity to scandinavia or wherever it's really interesting that that is like uh, uh, they throw that out there as as like oh hey 
here's a point that they have no idea what that is um, at this time. And I think that helps, again, with that undercurrent of this is like an old myth that we are pulling somewhere and we are trying to bring it to you as authentically as possible. So as much as it's a funny little line, I I think that was appreciated. Um, But then it keeps going with him just finding new ways to torment them. He's murdering people. He uh, gets Anya Taylor-Joy to put a bunch of mushrooms in everyone's dinner, I guess, and they cause everyone to hallucinate while he kills them. Um, I think it's during... Oh, go ahead. Just going along with how, like, disturbing this movie is, like, in very small bursts, there's a... Like, one of the guys, when he's hallucinating, he, like, starts stabbing himself in the neck. Oh, yeah. That... That bothered me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which it's supposed to, but, like, that... Just, like, the the image of it. And it's it's one of Eggers' gifts, especially when he leans more into the horror stuff. It's like, no, he can... He can get you some visuals that are going to stick in nope. your brain for a while. No. Um, the. I don't remember if it's that sequence or it's one of the, the later nights where he meets back up with a person. There's a guy who originally he cut off the guy's nose when he was a kid. And the guy yeah. said, oh, the boy was thrown into the ocean. He's he's gone. He's dead. Don't worry about him. Um, he stabs that guy through the nose. Uh, he says something like, I, I came back to finish the job. Yeah. And, like takes the sword and it's like a freaky freaky uh scene uh shot of the sword entering through his nose hole uh and just continuing um so that's fun <laughs> that's that's good there, there's Lark. a lot of good i really like the the build-up and i like the reactions of everyone kind of freaking out and trying to figure out like what is going on here um leading up to that that sequence where eventually he gets he he basically causes a disturbance to get on your Taylor joy freed um and then gets lets himself get taken kind of once she's escaped uh so that odin can save him um which is a cool cool little sh- scene shot where he's hanging from the rafters and that's a reference to the myth of odin hanging i think they say it in like narration or something that odin odin had to hang hang from the world tree for nine days or whatever um it's all it's all very well thought out i think and well presented and executed it does not always make me feel things yeah but i I, i'm impressed by the movie overall i would agree i i would be very interested in some point it doesn't even necessarily have to be for the podcast so trust me i'm not i'm not threatening this or anything um it would be really interesting for you guys to see Immortals at some point. And I know mm. I kind of joke about this movie every so often, um, particularly when we bring up Clash of the Titans. But for me, it's like very similar. It, it, it's a completely different experience. It, it's uh, The director is Tarsum. Um, and basically, it's the story of Theseus, I think. So it's dealing with Greek mythology mm-hmm. and... But it's like it kind of just goes its own way, and it's like we're gonna just pull whatever we want to use for this particular story. And Mickey works the bad guy, so that's fun. Um, but it's like overall very, very basic story that like the focus is on the visuals and like just like creating this very unique experience. And I remember the ending being very kind of similar, just in terms of like execution and what it's trying to get across. Um, but it's just, it's a lot crazier and over the top. It's like, basically it's like if Zack Snyder directed right. the Northman. So 
the new Percy Jackson series is available, Alex. How does that stack up to Immortals? I don't know because I need to watch the 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 original. Is it two movies that they got away with? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have to watch those first. That's true. I have to do that's my okay. homework. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> no Logan Lerman, so that's a problem. That's true, but the other movies didn't have Lin Manuel Miranda. Is he in that? He is. is. He, in the new one? he is. Is is Pierce Brosnan in both movies or just one of them? I'm sorry. Is Pierce Brosnan in both movies or just one of them? I have no idea. Do you know who he plays? I, I just remember he's the... Because I, I remember the trailer for the first one. He's the one that gives Logan Lerman the pen. Is he Poseidon? I think he'd be in both. I think he's... Nathan Fillion's in the second not... one. Oh. He has a joke about how Firefly we're, got canceled. We're, we're just talking ourselves into a Percy Jackson Immortals trilogy right here. <laughs> oh, man. I don't okay. hate it. Okay, let's let's throw in the, the three Clash of the Titans movies that we have. And, and, <laughs> there you go. You know, we there can, you go. We, we can... We, uh, it, it's an embarrassment of riches. <clears throat> so that's what that is. a comprehensive coverage. No, Troy? 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 Yeah, Troy yeah, myth. dude. <laughs> and then we'll have a comprehensive coverage of Greek myth in Hollywood. I, yeah, I actually... Listen, I don't hate any of that. <laughs> you, you haven't named a movie I wouldn't watch for the podcast. <laughs> we'll do a book club on Cersei. This It'll is, be great. Yeah. This is one of our. This is one of our. Let's just like put it in a put it in a box and just like set it on a shelf. Yeah, and, and we're like <laughs> one day. Yeah, we're not gonna do uh, that. Hey, what's our next podcast movie? Uh, looks like it's <laughs> Aquaman. All right, we are doing Immortals, directed by Tarsum. <laughs> Yes, we get to the and also, Venom three next year, and also uh, the the focus on Immortals is a giant man who is bulked up because he he he, he looks good without a shirt. Henry Cavill, of course. <laughs> I think they do that in all the Clash of the Titans movies. I like Sam Worthington. So take that, haters. <laughs> I uh, I did I did want to I don't know if we want to grade first or or to start this topic but the topic I would like to uh, also approach is is what should Robert Eggers do next? Uh, Secret Wars for twenty million dollars? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I don't think you understand twenty million dollars. <laughs> oh, I want to oh, see. Oh, oh that's the budget for the whole movie. I, I, I like that. I want to see how he stretches that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, all of our super suits got destroyed in that explosion, I, so it's t-shirts and jeans this time, guys. I want also I want the Robert Hulk Eggers. is dead. We're not bringing him back. <laughs> <laughs> I want I want Robert Eggers to to do a superhero movie because you, he would just end up reading like the entire Marvel comics universe. Yeah. Like he'd read all ten thousand Marvel comics, and uh, <laughs> have to be like, all right, now I have now I've I've ingested all of this, and I'm going to create uh, perfect accuracy. Yeah, representations of what this should look like. It's weirdly um, the most authentic version of Spawn you've ever seen. Uh, we did invoke we, Tyler did invoke Swamp Thing, Robert Eggers a few weeks ago, or Robert Eggers doing Swamp Thing. Not that Swamp Thing would be that Robert Eggers <laughs> would become the Swamp Thing. You can do both. You can do if, both. If I could also Which pitch really this, because because this is a franchise that uh, has constantly had like budget issues, so I think this is prime material for Eggers. I think he should do Hellboy. Oh yeah, okay. That'd be fun. I don't hate that. But this is so. This is my thing that I, I kind of wanted to dive into is that Nosferatu 
is a this, so this movie is Northman is kind of an adaptation, but also I think there's a lot of him doing whatever he wants to do with it. Where Nosferatu is a, I mean, it's still probably not going to Nosferatu. At least it's like there's established characters that people yeah. can go watch a movie and be like, "What am I? I'm going to go watch this black and white movie so that then I know kind of what I'm getting into with the next one." Um, I'm really curious what that looks like because he hasn't really done adaptations. Yeah, like of a straight like up yeah. characters. Yeah, he's done like all all three of these. Are like I'm going to tell a story about a person who would have lived in these times, mm-hmm. and so I'm really curious about Nosferatu because I, I mean, I guess it's supposed to take place in like late 1800s or something. I don't, I don't know what that, what kind yeah. of like period piece stuff he can bring. I'm sure there will be, I'm sure it will be com- like compelling and interesting when the setting is established. But I, I'm fascinated by that, and that makes me wonder like, does he want to start going more that direction? Would that help to start like taking on because like uh, (laughs) the thought i had right was that he did alexander skarsgård uh in this movie bill skarsgård's being those brought to the next movie what if he did a stellan star skarsgård that what if he did a stellan skarsgård biopic you know (laughs) like let's just keep this going let's get let's get all the skarsgårds okay but he hasn't he hasn't really done that like there's not really been it doesn't seem like he'd be as interested in doing like here's the Stellan Skarsgård Charlemagne. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like here's here's a yeah. uh, he's telling it you know like Napoleon with Ridley Scott. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like he would go for that or have the angle to tell that story. So I'm I'm curious if he ever ends up going that route or if he stays on the path of like Nosferatu would be or will be kind of a a departure from that but i'm curious if after that he's like all right i did that and it, it was big enough name and it was i don't know what the budget for that's going to be um but if he keeps it small enough budget then he can just be like and it was successful and now i can go back to doing this story about i don't know like 1800s uh <laughs> it, it's like it's I, like no, the, I, it's like a movie set in the gold rush but it's about a werewolf yes or something. yeah yes like it, it, Something along those lines, where it's just like, yeah, something set in the you know the Oregon Trail. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm going to talk about the Oregon Trail and some settlers. It's um, there will be blood, but there's zombies. <laughs> just one Ooh. zombie. Um, I had the thought. I feel like he could probably do a pretty good western. Yeah, and that, that would be interesting. and probably bring some fresh things to be like. I'm actually going to like be very very specific about how I make this look and, and like how I represent. Uh, a, a classic western frontier town um but i'm really i'm really fascinated because this feels like somebody who could be like i'm gonna start doing bigger budget stuff i like yeah. doing franchise things and i'm gonna bring my own flair to it and i don't necessarily know if that's playing to his strengths to do that as much as we joke about every director being like do secret wars yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> as much as i joke about that, uh i'm curious i'm i'm fascinated to see I mean, Noah's Ferrat, who I'm excited about. I'm I'm almost more fascinated by what his like fifth movie sure, will be. Sure. Yeah, I um I think it'd be fun if we did the original Nosferatu for the podcast yeah. in anticipation of that one. I'd be interested. I remember it being very cool, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. So. Uh Mr. Eggers, uh I, I'd like to ask, so so when you're you're doing a remake of sorts of Nosferatu, how many times do you watch the original? 
when you're writing the script. Oh, I I saw it once as a kid. I haven't thought much of it. But, you know, you do want to kind of ground yourself in that type of story. So what I really used as inspiration, and I watched this every morning, bright and early, 7 a.m. I woke up, grabbed my coffee, and immediately popped this into my DVD player. Van Helsing. <laughs> I thought you were It gonna... just really got me in the mood to write the script. I thought you were going to say, how many times you watched the original? There's an original? <laughs> <laughs> What? See, see, Britain, that would make the joke more concise and better. Things that I'm not very good at. Instead of Van Helsing, I really thought you were going to say Twilight. So <laughs> that Robert Eggers is going to do that Twilight show that I haven't heard anything about. But what what was life like in Forks, Washington, in 2007? <laughs> Let's really get into it. He could probably do a really good 80s period piece like he could probably do something that really like yeah hits that in a way like a really something that's like a creepy underbelly sort of thing of like oh you know kids being kidnapped or something like something that's like a different refreshing i don't know i he's someone that that i get very excited about his movies i'm doing paper girls they just did shut up no they didn't i'm doing it (laughs) uh but yeah i don't know yeah, no, he's he's a very interesting, interesting director. He's a very and we have director. committed ourselves to doing every sure movie have. he makes. We're in so. it now. We're in it. I think I believe Nosferatu comes out. I don't. I I guess it's only going to come out in theaters on Christmas of next year. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so we can't necessarily unless there's like a, a dual streaming. Sure, release, sure. I doubt there is. We can't. I was going to say we could we could continue to have a our, our Eggers holiday. Our, Egger, Eggers knock. Yes. I think I think we've passed through every version of that at some point and Probably. tried to come up with a title for these. And Probably. Decided none of them works. But maybe we'll do it again next year. We'll see. I give the Northman a B plus. Also, I think I want to move my Eggman grade down to B. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> because I can't, I can't, I can't get, I can't keep using that as my. I'll, I'll come up with something else. I'll look at the score sheet, but I can't keep using that as my. Like, Wait, these are my B pluses. Wait, what do you want to give a B? Ant Man, the first Ant Man, the first Ant Man. Because I keep going back to Ant Man as my B plus movie, and I'm like, I don't think that's right. I don't um, think that's the comparison I need to be making with The Northman, a movie that was like art and stuff <laughs> i mean i'm i'm gonna give i'm gonna give the northman the same grade that i gave ant-man i'm gonna give it a b minus does oh, it does word. it feel okay to you <laughs> that, is what you that is how you have decided things does that does that mesh in your brain i'm going to give the northman a b minus and i'm gonna give d2 the mighty ducks a <laughs> I just because this is not the first. The problem is that this is not the first time this has happened to me. It's that I keep coming back to it and being like, "Well, I can't really give this a B plus because I gave Ant Man a B plus and it's better than Ant Man." And then I go up to A minus, then I just end up bucketing everything in A minus, and I'm like, mm. "That's very." Funny. I'll go back. I need. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need the current score sheet on my desk by Monday, <laughs> so I can look over the numbers and crunch crunch the grades and see. All right, where, where what's the problem here? Oh, that's very funny. 
See, the problem is I've had this long-term project because the score sheet is very old at this point, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a falling apart notebook. Um, see, now I've got a, I've, I've been kind of every once in a while I'll slowly transition them over to like this fancy other score sheet that has these nice columns built out and everything. And then I've got to remember that when Tyler wants to change a grade because he's upset about Ant Man, I have to I have to go in and scratch it out not in one place but two places. There you go. The life of a podcaster. Am you should, I? Right? You got to laminate them and just you do it in dry erase. <laughs> well, and then it's at some point I'd be like, oh no, I spilled water on it. Our, our grades are gone. Oh. Our grades for the Alien and Predator movies are gone. Tyler, guess we've got to rewatch them gotta all start again. Oh no, you can. Uh, Britain's eyes are glowing. Uh. <laughs> some th- uh, some things don't get ret- ret- commendations. I will say. Take a break for that. <laughs> oh no i had a third son <laughs> <laughs> whoops a doodles <laughs> his name is i don't want to do the alien in uh is it recommendations time sure i can start unless someone else would like to please um i'll do two quick ones i will say if if you want to see a Likely very authentic uh, exploration of Viking culture. I would recommend the Vikings TV show. Um, in terms of just narrative storytelling, it's it's fine. It's not amazing. Michael Hurst, I think, wrote every episode, which you don't really get <laughs> in television. Um, hmm. But it, it looks terrific. The music is great. The art direction, costume design, cinematography. It's a really good looking show. And the performances are solid. Catherine Winnick's great. Alyssa Sutherland is great. Um uh, that's it. No, um, but you've uh, 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 Gustav Skarsgård is in it, and he's very good. And uh, uh, I can't remember his name for the moment. He was on Gotham and one of the Blade movies, and uh, one of the sitcoms, The War at Home, or something. Don Donal Logue. Donal. Oh, okay. Donal yeah. Logue shows up. There's a lot of, of of neat actors, and it's. Like I said, it's a very compellingly made show, and the the I trust that it's very historically accurate. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like it. It's a show that I, I every now and again will go back to, and I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't like perfect, but I I, I like coming back here and going back to Katagat and seeing seeing everybody. Um, and the the fight sequences are are really interesting, and they do a good job of making them feel distinct. So it's not just like, oh yeah, I've seen this fight because you do it every episode. They feel they're, they're setting up different um, stakes each time, and there's a real attention to detail in terms of battle tactics and, and all this. Uh, they also handle the various different languages being spoken, and we're hearing them in English, but then when they go to Francia at the time, France or France at the time, Francia, how they handle the language barriers is really well done and subtitles and all that stuff. It's, 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 it's a smart show. I, I recommend it. Um, my movie recommendation, uh, maybe it's not... Maybe it's a little past the season. I'm going to do it anyway. I rewatched for the first time in many, many years. It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, and it was great. I really, really liked it. Uh, Frank Capra's movie, of course, starring Jimmy Stewart. Um, a couple of caveats that I'll give it. Um, it. It. Everyone points this out. It's not really Christmas until the end. Sure. There you go. Um, the The biggest one for me is I think at times the movie goes a little harder than it needs to not never to the point of like, Whoa, 
But uh, Jimmy Stewart is an actor who he absolutely does, and this this movie really uses it, the like, aw shucks, normal guy, just like a, a decent man. He, he can come off as a real jerk, though, in some of his, like, mm-hmm. some of his characters can, re- and that's why, like, H- Hitchcock utilized him more in that direction. But, like, I hate his character in Shop Around the Corner. Um, and there are a couple of scenes in this where it's like, Jimmy, I respect the acting. You're you're playing it a little too mean <laughs> right now. Like it's getting it's getting a little bit hard for me to stay on George's side. And then he comes right back around to, no, I love this guy. And there's one scene with his mom that is not that different from a scene uh, between Amleth and Nicole Kidman in The Northman that I found kind of creepy. Um, and I didn't like it. Uh, but otherwise, Jimmy Stewart is great in it. Donna Reed, great. Um, Lionel Barrymore, almost a cartoon, but very good. And it, it just, it, it's a movie that I, I think is so in the cultural imagination, kind of like Wizard of Oz or the first Star Wars, uh, which is called A New Hope. Um, it's kind of like those movies where we know it so much as a cultural institution, we kind of forget to think about it as a movie. We were like, oh yeah, it's, it's you know, Merry Christmas, you're wonderful, all bank and loan, or building and loan. And we kind of forget to think about like, how is it shot? How is it written? How is it edited? And it's a beautifully made movie. It looks gorgeous. I watched it on Amazon Prime. It, it looks beautiful on it. Um, I mentioned the performances are really good. Uh, like I said, it, 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 one or two scenes, it plays it a, a little too intense for my tastes, but it's like a good four and a half out of five for me. Um, so if you haven't seen it in a while, or if you've never seen it, cause you've been like, yeah, I get it. It's a wonderful life. I know that movie. Go back and, and watch it. It's a, it's a really, really well done movie that is, I think, very effective and moving and, uh, just a, just a good time, certainly for the holidays, but really any time. Um, yeah. Vikings and it's a wonderful life. <laughs> a variety. Exactly. Um, I I will say I have not seen It's a Wonderful Life. Um really the, the only thing that I have like emotionally connected to it, there's there's an episode of Batman the animated series called Christmas with the Joker. Um this is not my recommendation, although that's a very good episode. I just haven't seen it in a while. Um, where uh, kind of the bookends are Robin trying to convince Batman to watch It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life. And there's all Kevin Conroy just delivers the line so perfectly. And he just says, I've never seen that. I could never get past the title. And I'm like, that. That's so good. <laughs> that's just, it's very <laughs> good. good. It's very good. Um, my recommendation is going to be Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I guess. Uh, the book? I mean, I'm sure the book's good. Uh, um, I didn't love it, um, but I did like it a lot. Um, uh, to be honest, like, the stuff that I was excited about was the stuff that I liked about the movie. Like, watching the trailer, I was like, I think I know exactly what this is, and I know what I'm going to like and what I'm not going to like. Um, so, I really like a lot of the details of the story like it's very focused on like the intricacies of how the world works and and kind of um kind of how the dominoes start to fall in terms of people getting murdered and like just things get more and more intense like it's very focused on that stuff because score says he's good with that he knows how to handle crime drama um but really like i was excited for de niro and i was excited for lily gladstone um they're both great in it um particularly lily gladstone um i think she is really the performance that carries the movie for me um even though it feels like she's she's not in as much as it of it as i would think um but 
she's got this really interesting presence where like every time she shows up she's like very um commanding like just her screen presence and and she's just like very there's like a, a sadness like behind the eyes that's just like i, I don't know it, it just i found it really effective and i feel like another performer in that role could come off as stern and boring just like flat line delivery but she i don't know she brings a lot of weight to it um i think yeah i found her very very compelling so like any award season stuff that you're hearing about her i think is totally warranted um in terms of the negatives um it's too long stop making three and a half hour movies marty um (laughs) just stop i had the same problem with the irishman um I think this one's probably better paced than The Irishman, um, but still, like, in my opinion, unless you're Return of the King, you have no right being that long. <laughs> That's kind of where I sit it with, with that now. Um, and then I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio is great as the lead in the movie, um, not just because of, like, the accent issues, because he hasn't always been great with... with um, Specific accents. Alex, um, you don't understand. He's Dini Ocha. <laughs> we'll do Blood Diamond at some point. We have no rules on this podcast. <laughs> we'll just do Blood Diamond. No rules, <laughs> just right. <laughs> um, uh, but he really is having to carry a lot of the film. Like, he is, for all intents and purposes, he is the protagonist. Um, and I kind of feel that he's not super well suited for that role basically his character is kind of a dummy that's like he's in love with lily gladstone's character but he's also kind of doing a lot of the dirty work for robert de niro's character in terms of just stuff involved with the the um the osage murders um and i just don't know if leonardo dicaprio is the best person for that part that doesn't really fit his sensibilities and I do respect him like continuing to try different things as an actor and he definitely likes to try and stretch himself. I just don't know if he's got the range for it. Um, and about two thirds of the way through the movie, Jesse Plemons shows up as the federal investigator. I'm like, switch the parts have Jesse Plemons like play this part and like be the main character. Cause like Jesse Plemons, I feel like has more range. I've seen him in less things, but I feel like he's got more oh, range. Stunning. Actor. Um, and I, just personally, just like knowing because Scorsese likes doing fun cameos and interjecting people from other movies that he's worked on. I think it'd be cool if nobody knew that Leonardo DiCaprio was going to be in the movie and then two thirds of the way through the movie, he just shows up. I think that would be neat. Um, all that being said, it's got to be my favorite movie of the year because Pete Yorn and Jack White both show up and I really like their music. So it is what it is. Killers of the Flower Moon. It's. I, I, I definitely give it a recommendation, even with my reservations. It's still very well done. Obviously, Scorsese knows what he's doing. Um, just a couple of minor problems. There you go. Um, I finished Disco Elysium. It's about the only thing I was able to do this week, and I liked it quite a bit. It is a game that I think does a really good job of giving you some cool like the basically it's a game that i think has a really good uh finale and kind of like raised it above game i was already enjoying quite a bit because it kind of brings you to a place where you're like all right i guess that's 
I guess that's kind of it. Like you, you get to a point where you feel like you're you're about to wrap up the game, and then it opens back up again, and there's another another big sequence that um, I, I really enjoyed. And like, it, it's a game that does not really forget anything you did or anything that like the story brought up. It, it all comes back around by the end of it. So uh, I, I had a really good time with that. Um, I also recommend you check us out at Here Come the Sequels on all your podcast platforms you can find us at here come the sequels you can find us at here come the sequels at gmail.com through email you can tweet at us at hcg sequels i don't care if they call it posting now it will always be tweeting in our hearts <laughs> um and you can find us online at here come the sequels.blogspot.com give us give us you know high ratings and stuff help us climb those charts yeah Make 2024 us, the year of Here Come the Sequels. Tell, tell us, us whether we should do Blood Diamond, Immortals, or uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. What, what's our What's our next ad hoc adventure on Here Come yeah. the Sequels? Tell us Tell us your thoughts. Yeah. Get us. I want to be interviewed by. Uh, I just realized I don't know enough about any online publication to say that I want to be interviewed by them. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to be I, on a list at the end of no, 2024 no, that's like, I, we discovered this podcast and they're I all wanna, really hot. I want to somehow be interviewed by The Athletic. Yeah. Uh, can, <laughs> can you guys... Sports. Can you guys give us enough good ratings that we win an ESPY? Oh, I want an yeah. ESPY. It, now listen, that award show has never made that much sense to me. You literally already won the game. But okay, you got the you get this trophy for best big kick. I want, I want that. I want that. <laughs> sorry, real, real sorry Alex Morgan. That's my big kick award. <laughs> we can do a video game franchise. V- video game movie franchise. Actually, yeah. Could y'all Quarter also... Quarter? I want... Okay. I don't want a Webby. I don't want the iHeartRadio thing. I want us to get an right. SB. I want us to get um, a game award. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want us to get a Kids' Choice Award. And I yeah. want us to get the Man Booker Prize. Give, What's, what? That's for books. I don't know the difference. I don't know who does that, but I want to get that. Probably all the same people. Probably. I think that's all Jeff Keeley. <laughs> so I think, we're, I think we're set. I think we get, we're just going to get to him. Jeff Keeley's like, oh, I love it. You scored all those points. You killed all those orcs. You wrote a bunch of chapters. And you're and and for and for kids. Real quick, um, just because we we have reach the end of 2023 do we uh, do we want to do a quick I, uh, once we get closer to the oscars then i feel more comfortable because we'll sure. have watched more yeah i don't i don't feel like, like I've, but just I've in terms of immediate highlights so or highlights I'm from our guess, podcast specifically or en general it, either or there I'll, are no I, rules but i still <laughs> want an sb i want i want to take it right out of andre agassi's hands <laughs> i want <laughs> Guys, I want to moonlight Andre Agassi in 2024. <laughs> He's like, oh, here's to the dreamers who dream. No, Andre Agassi, that's my SP. <laughs> I don't know why they got Warren Beatty to give you an SP, but he did it again. Dang it. Is Andre Agassi still playing tennis? No. Okay, well, that's my life achievement SP. Well, I mean, I, I, he probably still plays at like charity events and like okay. stuff like Man, exhibition matches. I don't matches, know but. sports guys. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say I feel like I am I am too tired <laughs> to be ready for 
breaking down twenty. I was yeah. not. I'd not do my homework ahead of time. That's fair. I do. I do feel like we should. We should. Because uh, there's a like I have not seen Killers of the Flower Moon or Poor Things. Poor Things. Other yeah, movies that came lives. out that people are excited about. Or Bo was Aquaman Two. Or Aquaman Two. Salt Burn. Yeah. I. Uh, Maybe we can open, maybe we can next week do 2023 recap after we can all look back at our stuff and let's do, uh, let's do, we'll, we'll do a 2023 recap and we'll talk about 2023 and we'll spend 45 minutes doing that and then we'll end the podcast and the podcast will be called Indiana Jones, the Dial of Destiny. Um, and then the next week we'll do uh, Mission Impossible. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I still think my favorite movie of the year is John Wick chapter four. I've got a few more to see. I might that might change, but yeah, I think for the sake of research, I like that impulse, Alex. I like it. Good note. Follow it. It's me, Regis. I'm back, baby. <laughs> Regis, we've missed you. Hey, I never died. <laughs> <laughs> you can't kill Regis. Um, <laughs> he's just like John Wick. You cannot kill that's, him. That's my SP. <laughs> no. It's Regis. No, it reaches his SP. <laughs> Take that, Troy Palamalu. <laughs> um, point being, I do think next week we can talk a little bit about the franchise year of 2023. Because it was a big year for us. We literally did not, we were not able to get to all of the 2023 films, franchise films. Um I was going to say, real quick, just best and worst for me. For me, best sure. is tied between John Wick and Mission Impossible. That may change when we do the Mission Impossible episode. And the worst is Mania. Don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> Mine's John Wick, and my worst is probably Scream 6 um, or The Flash. Yeah. Yeah. I think my worst probably lies somewhere within the batch of movies we're about to do. I, I that's quite guess. possible. That's quite possible. Might be, might be Quantumania. My best is probably Oppenheimer. I think. Oh sure, that's sure, sure, sure. Me. Um, but uh, so that that's also in there. So I have that to look forward to. Yeah, but uh, I'm pretty sure somewhere in there I will find a uh, the opposite of a hidden gem. <laughs> I just have that. I just have that feeling. <laughs> just just an say, open I, rock. <laughs> I I shouldn't be setting myself up by saying my the worst movie of 2023. We're literally about to do Dial of Dennis, Destiny. I that I don't I, think I will say I don't think that's going to be the worst of the year. I look look I I've seen the de aging effects on on Harrison Ford at the beginning of the movie. It might tick me off. It might tick enough personal boxes <laughs> off for me. I <laughs> but we'll I am see. I am the member of this podcast who fell on the sword uh, of ghosted the Apple TV film, and I will say that is my worst movie of the year. Not a franchise <laughs> picture, but easily the one that most uh, most made me go, what? But, you know. Um, more to see, more to do, uh, and we'll do it together. Um, we hope you all have had a good 2023, and we hope you have a good 2024. Enjoy your New Year's. Uh, be safe, have fun, and we will see you in 2024. I've been Britain. I've been Tyler. I've been Alex. Watch the Northmen and and have a good year. <laughs> yeah, you said you wanted to toss your laundry onto the washboard of Alexander Skarsgård in this movie. Could you expound on that? Look, he has a very impressive physique. That's all I'm saying. Whoa! Hey, Tyler, get the old explicit tag out. <laughs>
<laughs> I know I know everyone's going on and on about uh, Henry Cavill, but I'm like, Skarsgård <laughs> yeah. over here. Henry Cavill's the one everyone's talking about these days. Yeah. Troy Savon, maybe? I don't know. 